you're listening to a Mash Those Buttons limited series. Visit us at mashthosebuttons.com. Hello and welcome to Squad Goals, a Mass Effect Legendary Edition podcast, where we're going to discuss our experiences playing through the Mass Effect Legendary Edition. My name is Nick Zelenkevich, and I'm joined by Chip Locke. Howdy, Space Cowboys. And Corey Kurabara Treadway. Greetings from space. And this is episode number nine. And we're going to talk about, we're going to take a little bit of a detour here uh, before we get to the next planet in the story is Vermeer. It's a major planet, a major turning point in the narrative, um, and it's one of the reasons why I think Mass Effect is such a a legendary game that we're still talking about it all these years later, that they felt the need to, to release it again all these years later. Um, before we get to Vermeer, we want to take a moment and kind of check in with some of the crew here. Um, and so this episode, we're going to talk about Rex, uh, but before we talk about Rex, we want to also go into a little bit of the Krogan history, in particular, the history with the Genophage, because that... That surprised me um, because the first time I played through Mass Effect, you know, you see the, uh, we, we talked about this before, but you see there's the, the monument to the Krogan on, in the Citadel. And, you know, that's kind of when you get your first little feel like, oh yeah, this is the, this is the monument to the Krogan for their help in the Rachni War. And then we had to turn around and stab them in the back with Genophage. And it all feels a bit, or a, a bit, it feels a lot to me at the time, like backstory. Like you're, you're just getting like expository information just to flesh out the universe. And I don't think I realized at the time how critical it would be to the series. Like the genophage is like a living, breathing part of the series. It's not just, this is something that happened centuries ago. I mean, you get, you have your Krogan in the party and he, he's, he's affected by it and he talks about it, but like the genophage is, it, it changes throughout this, you know, without getting into like spoilers at this point, but it is, it is part of mass effect, mass effect two and mass effect three. Like that it's, it's, Living history, I guess you could say. It's not it's not just like, oh, this is something that happened years ago and it's it's backstory and you can ignore it. You know, you don't have to read the codex about it. Like, no, the, the more you know about the Genophage, it will inform some of your de- decisions later on. I don't know. Do you guys feel the same way? Oh yeah. Apparently, because it's so important coming up. It's like I can't really say too much without ruining, but it's just also that the word genophage, it's just a very harsh word, it sounds to me for some reason. Yeah, I'm pretty really? sure it's a made-up word, but it's a good made-up word. <laughs> All I, words are made up. <laughs> okay, oh, touche. One of these, you know what I mean? I, but <laughs> I, I was, you know, as you were talking about this, Nick, I was thinking this is something that Bioware is so good at, and and they also did this in Dragon Age three, like or not Dragon Age three, but all three Dragon Age games, like with sort of like the Solus arc that you go through and. Some of the other things like woven into the background, um, the Canari, you know, racism and how all that plays out in the world. Like, it's one of these things that makes it feel like a world that is lived in that you just get a little slice of. Yeah, it also doesn't sound silly. Like some some certain words in some games, you're like, is that really what you guys call it? You're saying that with a straight face. Well, let's go into because the genophage, as as we said, that the there was the Rachni War. Um, where the Rachni were basically hostile to the Citadel races and they were coming into space and they were beating, they were, they were 
winning. They were at least dominating. They were not easy to defeat. And so it's the Turian that find the Krogan on their, would you say it's like a backwater planet? Would it be that like, yeah. is they find like this, this, this hardy I mean, race to backwater. It was like post, it was like a nuclear winter. I mean, they're, yes, their shit was, was jacked. Like it was bad over there. So. Well, it's like the entire planet Tarchaga, the way it's designed it is literally evolution in the cru- in a crucible. Cause like everything is a predator. Everything is like survival of the fittest. The Krogas themselves have prey. They have, they have prey like uh, the way their eyes are. Most most uh, predator animals have their eyes in the front. Krogans have them on the side, so they have circular vision, which is normally seen on prey animals. But tar- the way the Tarchaka is, everything's a predator. So it's just basically like, well, I'm going to be prey one way or another, so I better have this vision or I'm going to die. So the Krogan were effectively. The Krogan were evolved to be a combative species, that they that their planet was such a crucible that when you take them out of that and put them into the greater universe, the universe isn't ready for them. Yeah. And yeah. and then, like, moreover, uh, they have this, like, blood rage trait that in historic Krogan wasn't in most of them. And, you know, post the events of, like, their nuclear war, plus the Rachni wars, plus the Genophage, boil all that down and, like... Now, pretty much all of the Krogan have this this murderous blood rage thing. I mean, it's it's what it sounds like, right? It's blood rage. Uh, and now they can all do that? Yeah, because Krogans race. are basically space barbarians, so. <laughs> or space orcs. Mm. Feel a little bit like. That's fair. Space, space orcs, space barbarians, you know. They like to fight. They want to punch you in the face. Yeah. Like, I mean, if you, if you boil Mass Effect down to a fantasy game, which it it is with a space veneer. I mean, the the Krogan are the 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 orcs of the the orcs of the genre. Yeah, and I love the Krogans. I, they're one of my favorite races in yes. this universe. Well, I think to a degree, to a, to a degree, it helps them that they have Rex as their ambassador. That, um, like, not to get too far ahead, but you know, like Grunt, for example, in Mass Effect Two. I don't know if I don't know if like if you met him first. And then Rex, I don't know if you'd be as, as excited about the Krogans. Like, Grunt, nothing against Grunt, but I feel like Rex is a charismatic Krogan. Well, he's also charismatic. It's also because he's a very experienced character. He shows, he seems to have some has history. He's not like some just fresh character. He knows what's happening, knows what's been going on. He's very yes. similar to how Shepard, we got Shepard. We knew she could, like, she or him came from a background. They, they knew what they were doing. They weren't a fresh and upcoming newcomer, so. Yes. So to get back to the history, so the Rachni are dominating the fight. The Turian recruit the Krogan, basically bring them off their world, bring them out into the universe. And the Krogan are like the one race that's able to no, the, withstand the Rachni. The Salarians, I believe, find the Krogan. Oh, is the Salarians the Krogan? Yeah, okay. yeah, because the, the Salarians like find and then up, they call it uplifting the Krogan. So they give them all this technology, help them like get off of Tuchanka and, and then are uh, like, okay. hey, come help us fight these Rachni. Okay, so the yeah, so the Salarians up uplift the Krogan, bring them out, let them fight the Rachni, and the Krogans are able to defeat the Rachni to the point that the Rachni are basically extinct. Well, actually, basically they they were considered extinct. It's not until Novaria yeah. that we find out that there were a handful still alive. Yeah, because well, it works out perfectly because the Rachni, their home world, the way it is, is very similar to the Krogans' home world. It's a harsh planet. And only the, be- the 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 strongest and the fittest will survive on this because like there's a planet where it's like only 
one side of the planet is always in cold. One side of the planet is always being freaking nuked by the sun. And it's like tied like there's only like a small band where you can survive. But even that is harsh. And the, like the Rachni were doing well against the other races because those races could not go to their planet and survive. They would just die. Kroger's like, oh, this is not, this is not too bad. I like this planet. <laughs> and then compound that with the Rachni like burrowing and living underground. So all of the normal like recourse you would have had of like dropping, you know, stuff from orbit, it's not going to work on them. Yeah. Plus, they're just super annoying to fight anyway. It's true. Have we talked about how the Krogan body works? I can't remember if we've talked about that. No, I don't think so. Where, like, their their entire system, they have a primary nervous system. They have a backup nervous system. They have primary heart, backup hearts. Everything they have has a a backup. So that... Four balls. That's right, four balls, yes. extra balls. (laughs) But that's interesting because... You would think that, like, okay, like a, a backup nervous system, backup organs would be a good idea. But at the same time, that still means that you have to provide energy to them. So their mm-hmm. caloric consumption must be massive to be able to supply all these extra organs that are there just in case they get, you know, shot in the kidney. So they got, well, you know, like, I guess they have other kidneys. I mean, because we, I mean, we have two kidneys, but they must have four kidneys, I guess. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> mm-hmm. But they, you know, I mean, they evolved that because it was so likely that you're just going to lose some organs throughout the course of your life, I guess. So, well, I guess aside from the fact that they're just so tough to take down, it seems like they would be a good deal for organ harvesters if you Mm. wanted to Mm. get them. But then again, yeah, but then you actually have to get the Krogan and that's probably the hard part. (laughs) You got to get to the armored shell. Yeah. Like, just like cracking a big nut. I mean, yeah. that's what Zaid says. Yeah, <laughs> it is what Zaid says. I was thinking about that. Pretty much exactly what he says. I love Zaid. He's like, you know, if you just get that knife between that cl- that little, yeah. uh, little plate right there, it's like, it's like, all right, dude, all right. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to him in time, but uh... but yeah. So the right, so the the Krogan come up, like the Solarians uplift them. They come, they help beat the Rachni. Rachni are gone. Everybody's like, yay, Krogan, we love you. Thanks a lot. Have some worlds? Just a few. Not too many. And then that does not work out. Well, were the Krogans excessively breeding, like, like as well? Because, I, I mean, part of it is, like, they were naturally expansionistic, I think. But was it, dri- was it driven by a high birth rate? Yes. It was that's the part high, of it. high survival rate. It wasn't high birth rate. Like, Krogans naturally have high birth rate. But the, you know, like infant or youth mortality on Tuchanka was so high that it it made up for that. And then once they get uplifted, once they can go just expand into other worlds that frankly are just not as dangerous to them, all of their offspring live and there's way too many. Yeah, it's very similar to like things like back in old, like old colonials or exploration times here where we brought pets or other species with us. To like fight rats or anything else. Then they kill that stuff and they're like, oh, we'll just keep murdering everything else too. We don't have our <laughs> predators here. We're this place is awesome. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're like they're an invasive species, basically. 
And so the Turians weren't happy. Well, I mean, none of the Citadel races were happy so about that, but the this Turians was pre-Turians. So that so this then started the Krogan rebellions, and the Asari and the Salarians were beefing with the Krogan, and the Krogan were winning. Like they were pushing the the Asaris and Salarians back and kind of taking over more space. And then the Salarians met the Turians. Like, they found them on the other end of the Milky Way, basically. Or something. No, they found them behind the Krogan lines because they, they met the Turians. The Turians were like, oh, cool, we'll, we'll push from behind. Uh, and then the Krogan said, oh, you think you'll mess with us? We'll come and drop, like, meteors. Not meteors. We'll come drop asteroids on your planets. I guess that's making them meteors. But, um, and the Turians said, oh, now it's on. Now you want to go. Like, it's on. <laughs> Uh, and that so was wait, so how the, the Turians came in to become like one of the council races and, and got into the councils. They basically helped the Asari and Salarians fight back the Krogans, at which point the Salarian said, cool idea, genophage? <laughs> genophage. Okay. okay. So, wait. So, one, one question I have then is the asteroid bombing by the Krogans, is that when the council decided to outlaw that? I don't know. I so um, I'm gonna have to go like look at the codexes. There's definitely like some council uh, accords or something like that. Um, where they it probably is. I, I feel like that would make sense. Like I feel like it was one of those things that was, hey, you just don't drop asteroids on garden planets. Um, and everybody kind of knew that. And then the Krogan showed up and were like, oh no no no, we make our own <laughs> rules. Uh, and then they probably codified that because you please don't. We only get so many of these, like, super habitable planets. Please don't mess them up. The Golden Worlds. Well, again, that's that feels very much like an orc thing of, like, f you know, like, we'll do whatever it takes to win. Like, you know, like, victory at all costs kind of thing. That's very much a, you know, we, we're not we're not interested in, in following your rules. If we win, the rules don't matter. That feels very much like an orc mentality again. Comparing well, the Krogan to orcs there. I was it's also just to... like the way the... Uh... The way the Krogans work, like they know how harsh their planet was. They can nuke these these planets or do like drop them, destroy them, and they're still having them. The Krogans, they're like, yeah, sucks <laughs> for the rest of you. We're good. <laughs> yeah, I, I was trying to figure out what the Batarians are in this, like, because I, I, when you mm. said, I, I think you're right about Krogan being orcs, but I was kind of like, are Krogan trolls? No, but then yeah, what are the Batarians? Uh, maybe the, just the the, the the shitty dwarves. There's always like this terrible dwarves <laughs> that like we hate everybody but dwarves. We're the bad dwarves. I think I think that's the Volus. Um, I think Vol that. Volus would probably be dwarves because like they might be the good. Yeah. Like, they might be like the the, the just the, the good but annoying dwarves because the yeah. are, like, are slavers and stuff. And like, well, who would be more of a slaver race? Is that trolls? Orcs love slaves mm. too. I don't know. I I, I think yeah. I think this isn't a one to one mapping. It's it's not important. I don't no, want to get uh, off topic. I've forgotten about the Batarians, but we'll get into them. Yeah. Don't worry, everybody else does too. <laughs> <laughs> For an entire game almost. Yeah. Batarians get so screwed over in this series. Hey, I sounds like they brought it on themselves to me, but yeah. It's that's also true. Yeah. But that's I, I think but that's something though that I mean, because you could look at, I mean, the Krogan, the Krogan get screwed over, but they also kind of didn't help themselves. Right. The Batarians get screwed over. They didn't help themselves. I think that's a common theme in these Mass Effect games is that you have these races that are just doing their thing 
And when they come into con, you know, when they come into contact with the other races, their thing leads to conflict and the outcome, you know, it it, it kind of sucks, but it, it's like, is it really their fault? I mean, you know, like, right. did, did the Krogan, did the Krogan really d- deserve the genophage? Well, and, and what's so interesting is like the Krogan existed and then the Solarians came and uplifted them. Like the Solarians came and intervened. They said, here, take all of this technology that your society wouldn't normally develop for hundreds of years if it survived. and now come fight our wars for us. And the Krogan said, yeah, sure, party on. Uh, but, the, you know, then the aftermath of that, like, people didn't think. Because it is that right. exact, like, you know, like, Corey, you made that perfect analogy of an invasive species. Like, mm-hmm. it's exactly that. It's exactly Bart taking a frog to Australia, right? Like, <laughs> Chaz was it. Sorry. Um, you just don't think about the consequences. And then they hit, and it's too late to do anything about it. Well, yeah. it's... It's even a step beyond that because this is the the classic. Oh, I've got you know I've got a mouse in my barn. Well, let me get cat. Let me get the cat in there. Well, now the cats are in the barn. Let me get the dogs in there. Now I got the dogs in the barn. You know what? What's what? What? You know you're just constantly escalating the the, the problem because you're never clearing out the invasion. You're just replacing what's in there, well, and what's in there is always worse than what was there before. Then you eat a horse and then you die. Wait, yeah, okay. yes. Yeah. Also, like a this is very similar to like the humans and and also the arachnid. The arachnid were found because. No one thought that maybe we should open every freaking uh, relay just without uh, thinking about it. There was no backup. Like, what if something's dangerous behind there? Or what do we have to do? Like, should we be doing this? Like, just haphazardly? I mean, and I, then the, I think the, the Rackney thing, mm-hmm. like the Rackney thing happened because they had never screwed this up before. To be fair, to your point, maybe they should have been cautious, but there was no cautionary tale and there was lots of cool new worlds. So I kind of get how they went along. We're like, yeah, we'll just open relays, open relays. Oops, Rachni, bad news. Yeah. Well, plus, mm-hmm. you say like, hmm? no, what were you say? I was gonna say like, uh, the reverse happened also with the Turians because humanity had found the mass effect. They're going through relays, just open them willy nilly, and Turians just started a war because like you can't do that. It's like, why don't you just tell us first? <laughs> Why do we just start a war automatically? We we really weren't didn't know that. It's like, well, I mean, okay, in humans, de- humanity's defense, like if we just found the mass relay, we don't know what we're doing. Like that's, you know, you you, you can't know what you're doing. Like you, you know, that's that's what I mean. You know, the tour, yeah. they, they started they had a war with the humans, but it's like right. we didn't know that was a law. We didn't know you all were right. No, but like in the other case though, especially where you've got the Citadel races. Like so far, all of their contact has gone well. So for them to think like, okay, we're going to go through the relay. If we're going to meet a race that's capable of communicating with us, it's good. We'll be able to. We'll be able to figure it out. We'll be fine. There's no. Not, we're not going to come into a hostile situation. And then yeah, then the Rack and I kind of prove like yeah, that that that's no, nope. And, nope. And especially when you look at that from the Asari point of view, because the Asari are the oldest, you know, sort of original council race, and they're very much like diplomats and peacemakers, and so. Of course, they look at this and say, yeah, let's go make more contact. We like other species. Well, they also have the incentive that they need other species to reproduce. Right. Well, they don't need well, them. Species. Species. They don't need them they... to reproduce, but I mean, it helps them. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, so they're, they're looking at it. Plus, they also have the whole sort of like telepathy kind of thing, like where it's like, you know, it, it, you know, for an, a normal race meets, it's like, well, what's the protocol on a first meeting? Like, how do we communicate in, through this situation? But when the Asari come through, like they can actually, 
I don't know if they need language necessarily, but they can communicate on like an extra level that makes that go easier. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly, that didn't work with the Rachni, but the Rachni also seem to have some kind of tele- telepathy kind of, uh, well, you know, but, coordination. But there. the Rachni thing didn't work for, you know, plot reasons. So, yeah, also true. There's also like some other stuff that happens that we can't say because it's spoilery. Yes, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> plot reasons, um, right? <laughs> yeah. I just I, I bet Asari even know when they're out on a date whether to pay for the meal or split the check every time. <laughs> that's how good they are. I mean, that's like their role. Like they they are the you know, they get they get along with everybody kind of thing. You know, that must be though the like one of the benefits of dating a non-Asari is that if you're dating another Asari, then you can you're both like, okay, what are they are they expecting me to pay or am I expected to pay? But like what with the non-Asari, you can just read their mind and be like, all right, well, okay, I got this, or, or no, we'll they, take you know. They also have the secondary effect of uh if they're dating a non-Asari, it's like if I don't like you, I just gotta last a, a decade or two and you're dead. <laughs> and you're, you're <laughs> probably kick it, so except if you date a Krogan. Then, I was say it, yeah. It depends on the race, because the, Kro- the Krogan do live a- to be a couple centuries old, right? Yeah. Um, well, they, they, no, they like a thousand in... years. Rex is yeah. almost a thousand, a thousand when, when you pick him up. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's how harder they are, because they, they, they live short times on their own planet. But out here, no predators, the things that are hurting their things, like, this is awesome. We got to, we got to, to uh, millennia to live. Which also why the Asari get really nervous when they die. Like, should I date this Krogan? Mm-hmm. Hmm. <laughs> I'll be stuck with him a while. <laughs> uh, I like Mass Effect, what, you know? Yes. So are, are, are we disappointed then that we can't romance Rex? Always. <laughs> but he's... Uh, it's too many testicles. I don't know. It's more than the usual <laughs> amount. Like, hey, hey, hey. Some people would call that a, would call that a blessing. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, and yeah, I'm not, I'm not here to kink shame anybody. It's just for me, it was it's too many. <laughs> I'm surprised uh, so, that they did not add, I guess by the time they got better about adding more romance. Anyway, yeah. No romanceable Krogans. No Grunt either. That's true. That's true. But hey, there is some good dance moments. There are, yeah, that's true. So going back to the history, so the, the, the Salarian come up with the genophage, they infect the Krogan with that, it cuts their birth rates down to a few, what is it, a few out of a thousand survive? It's like one in so a thousand. Not com- like it's a straight one they're in not, a thousand. It, yeah, they're, 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 like they're not completely eradicated in that regard, but they might as well be, because it's, it's a super, super low birth rate. Uh, so very like children of men kind of stuff there. Um, and so, as a result, the Krogan now, for as hardy as they are, like, when they die, they're not being replaced. So, their population is starting to decline. Yeah. yeah. I think, like, uh, Rex put it well. It's like, hey, if, if you're given a choice between uh, going back and saving and reproducing and going getting paid to kill people, we'll go kill people. Shepard. So, you'd rather be a merc than help your people? I'm a fighter. It's what I do. Aren't you at all worried about what will happen to the Krogan? What the hell do you want me to do about it, Shepard? I'm tired of sticking my ass on the line and getting nothing for it. So you decided to go your own way? I decided 
Killing for credits was better than killing for a lost cause. I'm no hero, Shepard. Bottom line, killing for credits simplifies things. Shouldn't Shepard have an option, like when facing a Krogan, to just like disable them? Like, I mean, or, I mean, Krogan aren't going to stop unless you put them down. So, I mean, because I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think like how many Krogan mercenaries I've encountered thus far. It's not a ton. There aren't a lot of Krogans in this game, but like every so, you know, like usually, like you know, every few side missions, there's like a, a Krogan in the squad, usually leading it, or at least like a battle master or something. Um, so, you know, it's probably, you know, five to ten, I'd say I'd probably had to kill. Yeah, I don't you know. Not a lot, but not great. I, I don't think they ever say, you know, we have X many, you know, millions or billions of Krogans left. I, I think there's still like a lot of Krogan. Because um, the, the Slayerians, and when the Slayerians like talk about the Genophage and, and the way they designed it, they didn't design it to wipe out the Krogans. They wanted to stabilize the population. Like, and that's what's so interesting about it is it's not meant as like a genocide. It's meant as like a limiter. Uh, and so I, I don't think their intent was to actually like wipe out the Krogans, but I, they, it does sound to me like they kind of overcorrected. Like they thought that we'll cut this down to one in a thousand or whatever it was. Um, and that will stabilize them. And it seems like it didn't stabilize them. It led to like a slow drop off. Um, well, the, the way it was designed, it was not supposed to be a sterility. It was designed to make them um, have lower hormones levels. So they're not as prone to reproducing as well as making their glands, like they're cut, like a making the glands not work as well. It was supposed to still be able to reproduce. But the Krogan like to kill each other. So <laughs> they're very prone to violence, dangerous activity. So if you can't read, re, 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 uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Reproduce? Repopulate? Yes. Repopulate. Yeah. Well, slow death. Well, I mean, then that's something that, like, Rex even points out, too, that, you know, he's killed a bunch of Krogan in his encounters because, you know, he's a mercenary and usually he's going up against other mercenaries and those other mercenaries will tend to be Krogan. And so it's I mean, it's kind of unfortunate that you've got this race that's suffering a population issue. And and even as Rex kind of points out, like, you know, would you rather like try to, you know, like, would you rather try to figure out what you're doing? Like, he even says something about, like, when was the last time you saw a Krogan scientist mm -hmm. that. You know, would you rather, you know, like, of course, no, all the Krogan are going to go off and fight. That's just what they do. And, and the fact that they get paid for it is like, you know, icing on the cake for them. And yeah, it's it, it's a problem where their culture, their, their, their culture, which it sounds like it's a biological, like they, they biologically are like evolved to fight. Like that's, you know, like that's kind of where their culture stems from. So they have this like need to go fight and then they're running into the fact that they're just there's no they're not being replenished. There's just nobody nobody coming up behind them. And I guess the problem is that you can look at the Salarians and say okay, like you 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 wanted to stabilize the number, you wanted to to limit it down because as as you pointed out earlier on their planet, you know, like their high reproduction numbers were great but they they wouldn't all survive. Mm -hmm. And so you need a way of replicating that uh, you know that that uh, you know that that, that that culling, I guess, you need a way of replicating that culling without having the harsh environment of doing that. Because you can't just be like, okay, like you can only have Krogan on Tuchanka, 
Like that doesn't make sense if they're all spread out already throughout the galaxy. So yeah, it's it's uh, I mean, I, it's it, it's it was a tough a tough decision for the Solarians, I think, to do this. But mm, um, I don't well, know about that. I remember some of the Solarians I talked to, they said it was a great idea. Oh yeah, and they're like, why are they so upset that we did this? Jeez, they should have been thanking us. Well, the Solarians have their own problems. <laughs> That's fair. That's very fair. And the fact that they all uh, live to like only 30 because they move faster than everybody else and their biological stuff is fast. Live fast, die hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I have to say, I was disappointed that you don't get a Solarian in your party in Mass Effect 1. Because for as, uh, uh, you know, like they're one of the lead council races up there with the Turian and the Asari. And it just seemed like they were, that, that felt odd. That felt odd that like they're a very prominent race in the game and yet they're not included in your group. Um, hey, at least we, hey, we at least the sequels fixed that. I was going to say, mm-hmm. yeah, no, the sequels do fix that. And they fix it say. very well. <laughs> yes. Yes, they do. But uh, yeah, I just thought, it, I just thought that always felt odd to me that the first game didn't have that. Yeah. But, uh, you know what also been funny, a funny addition would have been them adding a Hanar as a playable one. <laughs> I still want the uh oh I can't think of their name, the uh the Elcor. I still want an Elcor in my party. <laughs> Rideable. <laughs> yes. Like you're, so you're saying it would be a romance. <laughs> oh, oh heck yes. <laughs> so so what so is there anything any any final thoughts on the Genophage or you think we've kind of Talk, talk that topic to the point where it shouldn't be reproducing anymore. Okay, I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> I have I, more thoughts, but I can't say them. <laughs> right, yeah, I, th- I mean, we'll come back to it. I just, I think it is such an interesting uh, setup that they have of, like, that fluid, you know, sequence of events that led to this thing. And, and the fact that they treat it as like this is like a hotly debated topic actively you know some people think it didn't go far enough some people uh think it went way too far and and showing that there's just like clear disagreements and there's it's like a very murky moral issue yeah uh i think the game does a really nice job of like introducing all that atmosphere and and having that really nice setup Mm mm-hmm it's also very interesting because, like, we, we've had certain topics like this in our own, like, real life times. People have consider these options. It's like, I don't know, looking how this goes in here, do we really want to consider this? Right. It's, yeah. you know, I mean, you talk about, like, some of, like, the more fringe ideas out there, like eugenics and stuff like that. And they're very hot, like, nuclear radioactive uh, issues. So this is the perfect place to, like, treat those issues and say, okay, let's remove let's take these core concepts and put them in the context of a a far out wild sort of space fantasy game. And now let's really look at this and see what it would be like. Not even anything necessarily is like esoteric as like eugenics. I mean, just like the general concept of like the the incarceration in the prison system. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's also that. Like that's something, I mean, very like, you know, what, what is an accurate punishment? What is too harsh? You know, what, you know, you know, you know, the, the death penalty, life in prison. I mean, you know, w- at what point should parole be? Able- I mean, that's all, a, you know, a similar nature to the genophage as far as what's what's mm-hmm. uh, the appropriate response when you've got, you know, uh, you know, it, it's not even though, I mean, obviously, like 
declaring war on the rest of the galaxy is a crime <laughs> to a degree. But the problem there was it was why are they declaring war? You know, it, it, yeah. it was the the high birth rate that um, well, they just needed to be wanted addressed. more space. But then they were you know they were taking all the space and and crowding people out. I mean that was that was the inciting yeah. event of the rebellions is they said we'll just grab this planet. And I think of the Asari were like we like live here already. No, and the Krogan said stop stop us. Yeah. yeah, and it's also like another thing of like generations of family. You're having the offspring take the repercussions and the punishment for when they weren't even born. Mm-hmm. It's like I yeah. had no decision in this, but it's still I'm still getting the consequences. Awesome. Well, it's, it's every Krogan. I mean, so it's yeah. So it's not not you know not even a generational thing. It's just you know regardless of where you stood on you know as a Krogan with respect to the war. Yeah, everybody suffered for it. Yep. But have you ever met a peace-loving Krogan? I mean, really? <laughs> In future problem- games, yes. <laughs> uh, they, they, they need to introduce space weed to the Krogan. <laughs> I don't know if that works, because remember, the Krogan can, like, drink ground glass. And, and melt. Yeah. Fair enough. You need to have the weed that also like slices you while you're smoking it. <laughs> <laughs> just roll up some fiberglass in there. You'll be fine. <laughs> I, I guess they can actually just have chuba weed. That would work out. Uh, just give them a brownie. <laughs> so, anyways, how do we go on this again? I forget. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so let's go ahead. Let so let's talk about Rex, our our, our favorite Krogan, our, our our member of the party. Um, you know, we talked about it when we when he joined us at the Citadel. Uh, he was there as a mercenary, there to kill Fist. He killed Fist, decides to stick with us, comes back. And one of the first things that Shepard tries to talk to him about is the genophage. Shepard makes the mistake, or at least my Shepard made the mistake, I should say, of trying to say, like, oh, yeah, like, you know, we're like buddies because, like, the Turian kind of hated both of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And Rex is like, uh... Yeah. It was yes. a very awkward conversation. I, I I can think of some parallels uh, in real life oh. that you could do that I'm not like going to get into. But you know, when you when you compare your minor concerns to somebody's sort of long held generational suffering, it doesn't go over well. No. No. Yeah, because even then, uh, Rex is like, like yeah, like oh, so the Turians like basically made it so that like you, your species can't reproduce and he's like yeah it, it's, it's not the same right. like, ooh, <laughs> ooh, ooh. Like, shepherd puts that boot in his mouth yeah exactly so but rex comes across not standoffish a little bit but kind of insular like he's not like shepherd's kind of got to coax it a little bit out of him um but then once he gets rex gro- going rex 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 will talk you up mm-hmm. he's, he's got stories yeah like you said he's like a thousand years old yeah, I think, you know, I mean, you don't get to be a thousand-year-old Krogan and be a merc without uh, sort of knowing how to establish boundaries, right? Because you're rolling from squad to squad, and I feel like that's how he comes in. He's like, okay, this is another job, or, you know, whatever it is, I'm going to come do this work with these people for, you know, a few weeks, and then I'm out. I don't need to, I'm not here to make friends. He smelled right. the credits. Well, especially, too, as a mercenary, you figure... One week he could be working with somebody, and then the next week they could be paid by opposing forces, and he could be so it, do, it doesn't necessarily make sense to make friends. Also, he could be working with somebody as a mercenary, and depending on how the, the mission goes, 
you know, he, he may be able to sniff out, okay, like who's going to be here for a while or, mm-hmm. okay, like this guy's cannon fodder, you know, I, I'll make sure I know where he is when, when stuff hits the fan because I don't want, want to be there. Or I want to be there because he'll be a nice shield. Like, you know, and who's playing both sides, yeah. all that stuff. Right. Right. He's definitely, he's definitely experienced. He definitely, you know, knows how to read people. And he's, I mean, he's kind of come to a place where he's accepted the genophage, you know, that he's not. He's not looking to repair it. He's not looking to get it taken care of. He doesn't, like, you know, he, he doesn't think anybody's going to. He admits that no, none of the Krogan care because, like he said, they're not scientists. And he's like, well, no, and nobody outside the Krogan cares to do it. Where the, you know, so none of the people who are scientists are going to do it. And he's just like, okay, so this, this is how the world is, and I'm just going to make my money and you know, be the yeah. best merc I can be, and you know, that'll be it. Well, you remember how he said he actually he did try to work on it, the genophage did try to get that together to make the chunk better, make their society better. Right. And he got the, his, the, the leader decided like, I don't like you. We're getting rid of you. This is a terrible idea. What? Stop the genophades. No. The leader who was his father, incidentally. Yes. 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 His own dad. just like, who was like this offspring. Like they don't get a lot of offspring, but he's like, I'm going to kill my only child, which right. is the only child, but you, you know, yeah, like summons him to like a peace accords kind of thing, and then talks don't work out, and say, so, "Okay, well, time to kill you." Uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't blame him. I mean, it's, it makes sense that he comes in, kind of with all that baggage, and just says, "I'm, I'm done with my people. I'm just going to be a merc." Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Like, easy job. Go there, kill people, get paid. Go to the next thing, move on. Don't have to worry about thinking. Don't have to worry about if this goes wrong. Like, yeah, what if the worst that happens is I die? Whatever. I I, th- I think. No, you're gonna say. I, oh, I think. Um, I think what's interesting is that under the surface, even though he comes in and he says, you know, I don't care about my people, and uh, we've we've already sealed our fate and all this stuff. It, it's very clear, like even just from his initial dialogue, that that's not actually what he believes, and he's just kind of putting on a brave face. The problem is that he's never met anybody else that cared about his people. And it's really like Shepard's the first person to kind of be like, hey, like, we can do this. We can work on this. Like, you know, like, you know, we'll see, you know, I, I don't know if Shepard knows what they're going to do, but he's, you know, like Shepard's at least like, yeah, like, you know, I'm interested in helping you with this. So let's, let's, you know, see where we can go with this path. And, and that, I think that's what ultimately Rex responds to. And I think that's why Rex, you know, winds up respecting Shepard so much is because, Shepard's, you know, it, it's, you know, he's, he's that typical loner who just seals himself off because nobody's going to care about me. So why should I care about anybody else? And I'm just going to keep my distance because there's no, you know, there's, there's ultimately no point. And Shepard's the first person to be like, Hey, actually I, I care about you. And then yeah. of course that opens, you know, and then, and then they be, then they bond to become friends. Yeah, well, it's also like a uh, Shepard gets shit done. Like, like yes. a lot of people who like buck the, buck the response to like, here, you take care of it. Now you take care of it. Shepard's like, I'll go give it to me. I'll get this shit done. You shut up over there. Well, yeah. Because Shepard, I mean, how, how, uh, one of the things I've noticed taking Rex on missions is that there's a few different missions where at the end of it, Rex is like, yeah, I enjoyed that mission. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I haven't seen any of the, of, the, of the other characters say that. That I find that interesting that like, yeah, like, oh, I took Rex out of the out of the docking bay there. And uh, yeah, he, he he enjoyed, you know, shooting some geth in the head. So I got to remember that to l- let him uh, stretch his trigger finger every so often. Mm-hmm. Also, like common if you if you actually make it peaceful, he's like, well, that was a different way of doing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would have just shot them. Uh. So, 
So one of the other stories that Rex has is that he encountered Saren once, although I didn't actually see him, but they were on, no, he saw him very briefly. He saw him very briefly at the beginning of the mission that, uh, he was on a merc- mercenary mission, uh, and they brought in a bunch of mercs and then he saw Saren and he was like, I don't trust this guy. I don't trust this mission. And he left. And then everybody from the mission wound up dead. And so he, he had those instincts again. He saw, he saw something was going to go wrong. He knew not to trust that guy. And he, he leaned into that and everything, you know, didn't work out well for him necessarily, but he survived. So yeah. credit to him there. It was also funny when, uh, when, when a shepherd's like, well, why don't you tell me already that you knew Saren? He's like, until you showed me Saren and that I didn't know that was Saren. It, to me, it was just a random Turian. Yeah. Yeah. Like also, a, I don't know if I, like a brush with fame in a bad way. Yeah. Yes. Also, I don't, I don't know if he'd say that he knew him. It's like he encountered him briefly for what, like a minute. <laughs> he, he saw him long enough to be like that, that dude. I don't trust that dude. That's, that's not that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like those other people are like, I, like I was near this famous person. I know them. No, you're just, you're just <laughs> next to them. <laughs> hey, I'll have you know, Conrad Werner is a very good friend of mine. Ooh. <laughs> Like, and then Rex also tells a story about uh, how he was hired by a Volus diplomat to take out a uh, a, th- a threat that uh, or take out some people that knew knew too much about him, and it turns out one of the people that knew too much about him was a an, another Asari mercenary that Rex had dealt with in the past, and they were kind of I guess work buddies would be a way to put it if they weren't friends but at least they were on like amicable terms oh, it was more of like uh like uh like somebody who works in the same industry but not near the same job it's just somebody like we work together through the same jobs you know connections associate like a, pro- a professional respect for each other yeah definitely yeah, professional yeah. colleague yes <laughs> yeah yeah, and so he reaches out to her, and he says, like, hey, I got this contract to kill you, and she's like, well, good luck with that, and so they <laughs> agree to meet on a space station that was basically a a, a way station for, like, other mercenaries and, and bounty hunters. And pirates. And pirates. So this way, if they're gonna, if, if there's gonna be any collateral damage, it's a bunch of other shady people anyway. It's not like any innocents are gonna get killed in this matter. Yeah, because that's what they made sure, like, there were no innocents on this place. Everybody was shitty. Yes. Which is good because there was Which shows, collateral damage. Exactly, exactly. You no, know, but it it shows that the two of them at least had a respect for the world in general. They're like, okay, like we we know what we're gonna do. We know this is gonna be bad, and we we'll find a place where we can do that without you know just you know casually killing anybody because you know it shows a a, a respect for you know the innocents out there. Oh, well, uh, that. Yeah, so they go on there, and also it keeps them from like getting in trouble with really the law because the law is like. Eh, you killed a bunch of pirates and mercenaries. Whatever, we're not going to bug you. Also true. Mm-hmm. Also true. So they get onto the space station and and they 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 hunt each other. And Rex runs out of ammo because he used all his ammo trying to kill her and didn't. So he has to start killing the the mercs and the pirates to take their weapons so he can keep going after her until ultimately they kill everybody on the space station. And then she tra- she locks herself in the med bay because she's injured and and, and healing up. And Rex can't get to her. And then I can't remember. Did he set the ship to explode or did uh, it was just in bad shape? Like, I think they had done enough damage to it. It was like collateral damage to the point where. where, Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I think it was like a straight bullet, like caused something to go critical, and uh, you know, whoopsie. Yeah. <laughs> so he he hightails it off the ship. He makes sure, watching behind him, that there was no opportunity for her to leave the the station. And then you know he watches it blow up, so she should be dead. And then as he's heading to, back to the Vola's diplomat to get his, uh, you know, and just he's just about to message that she's dead. He gets a message from her. Better luck next time. <laughs> So he goes back to the Volus diplomat then, and he says, you know, I didn't get to kill her, but why don't you hire me on and I'll be your bodyguard to make sure that she doesn't, she does, if she ever shows up, I can take her. So he got permanent employment out of that. Yeah. Well, permanent until, the, until he died anyways. He was an old Volus diplomat. He didn't live much longer. No, no, no. Yeah, he, he lived a long time. It was like, apparently, like, they, they worked for like a couple decades because Rex is going to live for like much longer than him. Right. He's outlived right. him. One of those fun, cushy jobs. Yes. Even said that. He was like, it wasn't that harsh. Mm. <laughs> yeah, she was done with the whole thing. Lucky him. Right. Yeah, so that worked, that worked out for everybody, I guess. <laughs> but then also, Rex has not really a loyalty mission. They don't really have loyalty missions in the first Mass Effect, but they do have, like, so, each of the aliens, at least. I don't think the humans have any specific mission, but the the aliens, uh, Rex, Liara, and Garrus, um, they all have specific missions for you to go on to. Uh, I don't know if it's to prove, like to like. I guess it's just to get a better relationship with them. It seems like it doesn't. Like I said, it's not really like they become more loyal as a result of it. Although I guess depending on how you handle it, they do. But it's. I don't. I was trying to think. Does it like unlock any skills or anything? And I'm I'm pretty sure the answer is no. Yeah, I think it just makes it easier for like future uh, parts of the game. Makes it easier for their respect you and stuff. Okay. Yeah, like it, it, it builds the relationship. Right. Yeah, I don't think there's like any like game mechanic associated with it. Let me double check. I can double um, check just to make sure. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I think it is. I think if you like don't do these and then you bump into them in the next game, they don't think of you as fondly. Yes, that would make sense. Yeah, I'm not seeing anything too specific, or at least Mass Effect One. They're like Mass Effect Two, it's very important. I'm like, that's true. If, I mean, if you want your people anyway, yeah, I the loyalty missions are yeah, I, I also want to call them loyalty missions because that's what they are in Mass Effect 2. But they're definitely not that in this game. They're all very I mean, they're just they're just more side missions like they're very much in the structure of yeah. the side missions of Mass Effect. Yeah, they're very, very simplistic. There's no there's no. I mean, like, for example, the Rex mission here, he has his family armor that was purchased by a collector. Uh, like a, an armor collector, I should say, not a, not a collector, collector will have a very different meaning. Yeah, yeah. collector will have a very That's, different meaning in uh, Mass Effect 2. Yeah. His, Rex's loyalty, his mission right there, is one of the few ones that actually does matter in Mass Effect 1. Yes. Yes, and we'll, we'll, we'll get to that uh, oh, yeah. soon enough. But, uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so the, 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 the armor is, is uh, it's currently housed. Uh, in on Tuntau in the Phoenix system in the Argus Row cluster, which is an icy, slushy planet. Uh, you approach. It's a straightforward mission. You approach a, a hidden base. There's outside pirates and snipers. You enter the building. Rex immediately says that his armor is there. Uh, the building is the same layout as uh, a few other bases for the side missions because, like, a lot of the side bases have the same layout. Um, so you kill a bunch of pirates, and then Ton Actus is the person who has the armor. Mm -hmm. And so you just kill him. That, that, see, that's the other thing too. There's no like, 
there's no dialogue. There's no, it's just, you just show up. The guy goes hostile. He's just a named, a named mob. Yep. And you just shoot him. Like there's yeah. no interaction. Uh, I feel like in the second game with the loyalty missions, they get a little bit better than that. Where like when you show up for stuff to happen, they're much longer. Like, yeah, yes. Like stuff, stuff happens. Yeah. They're and more also, like, narrative. Um, yeah. Very narrative. But like this one too, it's, you could also find these pirates, kill them, take and just find the armor randomly. And it's like, go to Rex. He's like, Oh, that's my family's armor. Yep. Thanks. And he'll he'll have the same level of gratitude. Well, yeah, because like you can there's nothing to tell you. Like if you don't get the mission from Rex, there's no way for you to know. You could be on you could be in the system, hop on this planet just because you were driving around and you felt like it and you go in this base, murder a bunch of dudes. Oops, okay. Um yeah. and that's how like Normal all evening. of the all of the side missions are in, in Mass Effect One, really. It's like you can sort of do them on accident. There are a few side missions where the system doesn't appear mm -hmm. until you get the mission, but there's a plenty where, I mean, as soon as you, you have the Normandy and you can, you know, check out that galaxy map and start hopping around, you can start going and actually knocking out side missions without having any goal of, you know, just show up on the planet, look for the, you know, the little X's and go. And if it's a bunch of pirates, just take them out because if it's a bunch, like there's no, at least I don't think I've seen anywhere in the game where there's just pirates somewhere that don't have a corresponding mission somewhere like 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 there's no random pirate base that you can just go kill or not kill and it's you know either way it doesn't matter like there's every every outpost has a corresponding quest that you will get as you know right even if you get it when you kill them and then find out like hey you should go check out this thing here or uh or go talk to nissan yeah, and dantius backwards Exactly. Exactly. Because that's how. Yeah, that's how I wound up doing that. Is I found that that base before uh, I could talk to her. Yeah, go check out this giant giant circle that does not have a thresher model in it at all. <laughs> well, that's the other thing. Yes. <laughs> is it? Yeah. You you start to recognize the thresher maws when you see the X on there yeah. with nothing, and then you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. Why does this look like a big a flat open arena plane. here? <laughs> exactly. Let me just save my game real yeah, quick. All right. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that uh, they did uh, that. You can get full experience for uh, killing stuff in the, mm -hmm. in the Mako. <laughs> also, you don't get one shot nearly as much in the Mako, which is nice. Yeah. Yes. I still got one shot. Uh, I, I I wasn't paying attention. I let the Thresher Walk come up under me. Oh, that didn't oh, go well. That's 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 just a. They try to help you with that. They show you where it's going now. Before oh, yeah. before oh, yeah. you used to be like, where, where is it coming from? And just like, like, well, that sucked. Yeah, you can. I was still. I was, you can like see the little tentacles, which before were basically oh yeah. invisible. Yeah, and you, you can shoot the tentacles yeah. too. Yeah, if you shoot them all, it comes up. It's like it doesn't like that for some reason. It takes a long yeah. time. How those? How those? Where those tentacles are coming from, and how that works? I'm not so sure, but you know that's beside the point. Yeah, there's a whole physiology to the Thresher Maw that uh, maybe we should do an episode on that, but I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I want the I want the Thresher Maw Genophage. Where's that one? Seriously, that's your fade. I don't know. Yes. So you, uh, yeah. So you kill Tonactus, then you have to go in the back room, and he's got a wall safe. So you hack into that, um, and then uh, yeah. So then Rex is grateful that you get his armor out of the safe, and then they have a little text that comes up. It says Rex touches his grandfather's armor. His expression thoughtful, perhaps. Krogan are hard to read. Then he shakes off his bemusement and grips his gun with renewed purpose. Time to move on. Yeah, like I can't remember. This, 
I could I, I couldn't find it if it was. Could you? Could he put that armor on? Did I just miss it or like no, no. accident? It's not like a usable no, item. Okay. Yeah, it's it's just an heirloom. Yeah, I was wondering if I maybe I missed it. Like I thought, like that's one thing I liked about when I was, like started up Mass Effect Two, where you can tailor everybody's armor and they have special armor. So like, oh, now you can wear the cool armor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Th- this again, I think that's one of those things. Like just the concept of the loyalty mission and like even like tailorable armor and stuff like you you can tell like they like yeah they they had time to re- like rework and improve all the systems going into Mass Effect Two because it I mean not that these things feel incomplete now but when you see what they evolve into you're like oh yeah they do like once you see the evolution they feel incomplete early on but at the time I mean at the time though again like this was still you know this was still impressive that they were even doing that like mm-hmm. oh hey you've got character missions to go do so i mean it was, it was you know it's not like bioware was slacking at the time they were they were learning as we were oh yeah 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 there's there's an interesting bug apparently with the assignment though for the armor look it up like uh what? apparently if even if you bring rex there and you he kills the uh the Atonis, he the codex entry will say rex is very upset that he didn't get to get to kill uh him himself it's like you were there <laughs> I think they fixed that. Hope so. No. Mine could play because so, I couldn't mean, bring him, but whatever. Oh. <laughs> so at at this point, since we're nearing the end, do we do we want to get into any spoilers about Rex, or uh, do we want to wrap it up here? I think we can save it. We'll save it for uh, Tuchanka. Fair enough. I think that's the biggest yeah. spoiler I'll drop. <laughs> Yes, guys. Tuchanka. <laughs> there's one. There's one thing I remember, and I think it happens there. And I'm, 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 I'm waiting for that to happen. But we'll see. We'll talk about it when we get to it. <laughs> so let's go ahead. This has been uh, Squad Goals number nine. Uh, so thank you to Jarrett for producing and editing, and thank you for listening. We are at Squad Goals N seven on Twitter. Also at the MASH Network. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash mash those buttons. Also on YouTube at youtube.com slash mash those buttons. Chip, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at WD. That's where double Y-E-W-D-E-E. And also right here on the MASH Network, uh, co-hosting Wondrous Tales, where we talk every two weeks about Final Fantasy XIV. And Kura, where can people find you? They can follow, you can follow me on uh, Twitter at Kurabaras, K-U-R-A-B-A-R-A-S, or on twitch.tv slash Kurabara. You can follow me every week talking about Apex Legends on Dropping Spicy, at Dropping Spicy. And you can hear me talking every week about Star Wars on uh, Clan of Three, <laughs> at Clan of Three. Or currently we're talking about the Bad Batch, which is uh, starting to pick up finally, which is nice. <laughs> So would you say it was a bad batch of episodes? Yes, it was a bad. The early start is kind of bad. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And if you like those puns, I am at WookieBH on Twitter. You can also find me here on the Mash Those Buttons Network on WoW Talk, talking about Warcraft news and guild management, and also on the Torn and the Goblin, where we talk about Warcraft story and lore. Join the Mash Those Buttons community on Discord at discord.me slash mash those buttons, and email us your thoughts on the Genophage and Rex at squadgoals at mash.gg. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to help us out, please share it and rate it if you can, and visit mtb.gg slash support to see all the ways you can support Mash Those Buttons and all our great podcasts, including on Patreon, where for as little as $1 a month, you can gain early access to content as well as to patron-exclusive content. 
You can also check out our Humble Bundle affiliate link as well as our PayPal one-time donation link over at mtb.gg support. Stay tuned to hear about our other shows on the Mash Those Buttons Network. Chipping Curra, I'm Nick. I should go. My favorite podcast on the network. See you, Commander. Thanks for listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. If you enjoyed the show, you should check out MashThoseButtons.com and see if any of our other shows might interest you. All of our shows are available on your podcast platform of choice like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. If you enjoy our content, you can help support Mash Those Buttons by becoming a patron at Patreon.com slash MashThoseButtons, where you can receive Patreon bonuses for as little as $1 a month. You can connect with Mash Those Buttons at Twitter.com slash The Mash Network, Facebook.com slash Mash Those Buttons, or join our Discord at mash.gg slash Discord. 